Galatians chapter 1. We are going to pick up with verse 10 and we're going to read down to verse 16. So let's read. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be the bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being much, uh, much more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles that did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Let's pray for our spiritual meal. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God that's filled with the nutrients that we need. We're going to open our heart and receive it by faith today and be blessed by it. Holy Spirit, again, we call upon you as the divine teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person that's listening, that their eyes would be open, their ears would be open, their hearts would be open to see, hear, and understand. Father, I thank you. You're going to cause your children to walk away hearing from you, and only you can do this miracle. I believe it's happening right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, verse 10, let's unpack this. For do I now persuade men, or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be the bondservant of Christ. So this brings out that what he had just said. So he says, now, say now. now. For do I now persuade men? And so it's based on what he just said. And he made some pretty heavy statements. He said, if, if, uh, if he himself or an angel from heaven came back to them and changed the gospel from what they had received, let him be accursed. The word accursed means to be devoted to destruction, no hope of redemption. It also means to be cut off from God's people. And so he said, if, it, if I or an angel preach something of the message, let him be accursed. Then he says, I say again to you, like you didn't really buy it, didn't really believe it. The first time, let me tell you that if anyone preaches any other gospel than you receive, let him be accursed. And then he says, when I make that statement, am I trying to please men or am I trying to please God? And so obviously he says, I am pleasing God. He wasn't trying to be politically correct or try to get as many Facebook likes as possible. <laughs> he says, I'm committed to the word of God because I'm a servant of Jesus and his word. And when you're a servant of Jesus and his word, there's going to be some times that you need to say things that people don't like. And so you need to decide now. Am I going to be committed to Jesus? He's my master. One day I'm going to stand before one. His name is Jesus. I'm not going to stand before anybody else, give an account. How did you handle my word? Were you faithful or did you bow in front of peer pressure? And so we're going to say some things that, that people aren't going to like. We're going to say it in love, but we need to speak the truth. And as a minister of God's word, raise your hand if you're called to be a minister of God's word. Well, are you going to stay true and say the things that people will like or what God says to say? Well, you're, it's easy to say now, but you will be tested on that. And so Paul's opponents had insinuated that Paul had dropped all the legal requirements of the Mosaic law in order to curry the favor of the Gentiles. So he could just lower the bar so much that the masses would come that Paul refused to preach the law just to curry favor and not be and to be liked by the Gentiles. What was the opposite? Actually, the Judaizers were teaching circumcision and law-keeping in order to keep from being persecuted by the Jews, 
that lived among them. Look at Galatians 6, look at verse 12. Actually, it's the Jews, the Judaizers were actually the ones doing that currying favor. Galatians 6, look at verse 12. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. And so they were the ones that didn't want to be persecuted by the Jews, so they preached the law. Now let's talk about the gospel has a stumbling stone within it, and people stumble over the stone. So let's read that in uh, 1 Peter 2, look at verse 6. 1 Peter 2, 6, there's a stumbling stone in the gospel. 1 Peter 2, 6, it says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believes on him shall not be confounded. Who is that chief cornerstone? His name is Jesus. Look at verse 7. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Look at verse 8. And the, he's a stone of stumbling. Say a stone of stumbling. And a rock of offense. Even to them who stumble at the what? The word. They stumble at the word. And so uh, your job is to preach the word. And it's going to be, you're going to put the word right in front of people's path. Many of them are going the wrong direction. And so you put the word right in front of them and they have to make a decision. What am I going to do with the word? Will I let the word stand in between of what I believe? And what I've been committed to, will I let the word? And many stumble over the word of God. They're not mad at you. They're stumbling and being disobedient to the word of God. And so be faithful to the word. So the stumbling stone of the gospel is this, that you must accept Christ. Say, accept Christ. Christ. So I'm going to talk about two ditches of the stumbling stone. Some will stumble over one part of the message, and the other will stumble over into the other side of the ditch, over the other side of the stumbling. So the stumbling stone of the gospel is that you must accept Christ. The other side is that you must accept him as your righteousness instead of relying on any of your righteousness at all in order to be saved. And so the message offends a lot of people, especially religious people. There's a ditch on either side of the gospel. I want to say something to you. If there's not a ditch on either side of where you're standing, you're in a ditch. (laughs) Think on these things. And today, there's a ditch on either side of the gospel where people stumble into these ditches. And so, this is our gospel is a grace and faith message. Say grace and faith message and gospel. It's grace and faith. I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to suck the air out of the room. (gasps) I'll put it back. God doesn't need more grace teachers. God doesn't need more grace churches. He needs more grace and faith teachers. Grace and faith churches. And the gospel is to balance grace and faith. It's not just one or the other. And there's two ditches today of people getting stumbling over the grace and faith message. One ditch, people are offended or they fall over and stumble over the grace part of it. That's the religious people say, you know what, I don't need grace I'm good in myself. Well, I know you're sweetheart, you're sweet, and you're wonderful, but you're not perfect. And that's the only thing God accepts is perfection. And there's only been one person perfect. His name is Jesus. And when you accept him, his righteousness comes yours, and he is your righteousness, not your own. And so the religious people hate that. They want to have a part in their salvation. They stumble over the gospel. But there's another ditch people get into, and they're offended at the faith part. 
And so they believe just everybody, the love of God will cause everybody to be saved, whether they believe on Jesus. And so they, found, they stumble over the faith part of the gospel of grace and faith. And so they think that there's no need for faith. No, there needs, there needs for faith. It's called faith righteousness. Say faith righteousness. That means you accept righteousness by faith. Tell someone, stay out of the ditch. We need to stay in the middle of the road with the grace and faith gospel preached by Jesus. Every good minister of Jesus Christ throughout church history stuck with the grace and faith message. And so we must seek to please God instead of men. And Paul says, or do I seek to please men? And so we're to seek God's approval. Religion always turns people from seeking God's approval to man's approval. I want you to see something that we are to please. Uh, we're not to be a man pleaser, but we are to please those in authority over us. I want to keep balanced here. Because, well, I'm not a man pleaser, so why don't I go to work? I don't have to listen to what they say at, at my job. No. You, tell someone, you need to listen to your boss. And when someone's over an authority over you, it, it's right to be well-pleasing to those in authority over you. And so I want you to see that in Titus 2.9. Titus 2.9 says, exhort bond servants. Today we'd say employees. Exhort employees to be obedient to their own masters or bosses, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back. It's not talking back to the boss. And so, yes, there is a way it, for those in authority, we are to try to be pleasing to them, but that's different from being a man pleaser. Yeah. And man pleaser is more of a horizontal, not a vertical thing. It's a horizontal where you're always trying to curry the favor of everyone around you. You know, that's exhausting, yeah. trying to keep everybody happy. And so that's an impossible thing. It's like the person I talked about last week that went into the Civil War and they wanted to be on both sides and they didn't want to get any shots. So they wore a blue coat and a gray pants and got shot on both sides. <laughs> Paul said, for if, say if, if, I still pleased men. Look at the word if. It's a second class conditional in the Greek, which means if and it's not the case. He says, if and it's not the case that I still please men. Look at the word still. Because in his day as Saul of Tarsus, he lived for man's approval. He lived for everyone to say, look at Saul. Did you see him tithe his cumin and anise? Did you see the spices he brought? And he had a meticulously down. The, look at how early he was. He was here to church before anybody else. Look at what Paul was doing. Look how holy Paul is. And Paul would just suck it up. It was life to him. He pleased men, but he says, no longer, no longer. You know what Paul had to do when he came to Jesus? He had to turn his man-pleasing card into Jesus. And if you want to serve Jesus, you're going to have, and especially in the ministry, you need to turn your man-pleasing card into Jesus. Tell someone, you need to turn your card into Jesus. Now tell someone else, you really need to turn your card into Jesus. Legalism is more concerned on how you look to people than God. Adam and Eve sowed fig leaves. Why did they sow fig leaves? Because they wanted to be more presentable to each other. There was no one else on the planet. 
but they put fig leaves on to present, be more presentable to each other. The root of the problem of people-pleasing is that those that do it are idolaters. Am I speaking this to please you or please God? The root of the problem is that people-pleasers end up are idolaters. Why is that? People-pleasers make idols of other people and thus crave their approval as if it was the bread of life. The bread of life. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 4. Who are you going to receive your approval by? You need to make that decision. Is it going to be God or is it going to be people? You're never going to be successful as a Christian, especially not in ministry, until you make that decision and say, I'm going to decide my approval is coming from God, not men. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2, look at verse 4. Paul says this, but as we have been approved by God. Say, I'm approved by God. Do you believe that? Are you rooted in that? That you are 100% approved by God today based on your faith in Jesus and his righteousness. Righteousness is not what you do, it's who you are. That your approval rating cannot get higher with God. And it can't get lower. Because your approval is based on Jesus' perfect, unchanging righteousness. And that's your identity. And so you've got to get that identity settled before you ever go out in front of people. Because if it's not, people will affect you. And people will squeeze you into their mold and you'll end up pleasing men. So here it says, we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Even so, we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. You're going to have to you pass the approval test before God can really use you. And look at verse 11. He says, but I, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. And so we're going to see here that the gospel and the ministry of the gospel is going to be a tag team effort between God and you. I want you to see God's side of it. Jesus Christ was 100% God and 100% man. He was. He's called the Word of God. In the Bible you hold, the Word of God that you hold, it's a product of 100% inspiration by God, but it took a man to write down every single word. And so, but with the ministry, Paul brings this out, that Paul here says that it's the gospel which was preached by me. Say, preached by me, but it wasn't according to man. It's a 100% product of God, but it has to be preached by me. It has to be preached by a human. You know what, I always thought, well, God, it would be a lot easier if you just did everything. You're the perfect one. You're omniscient, omnipresent. You could be everywhere at once, do a perfect job, never miss it. But there's a problem. He gave man authority on earth. He limited himself. And he can't just come down anywhere he wants to do and what he wants to do. He has to go through a man, an anointed man. And, and so he needs a mouthpiece. And guess who gets to be the mouthpiece? Tell someone that big mouth's going to work out after all. It's going to work out. He will redeem it. Hallelujah. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. You know, if we were making a plan of redemption, it would, okay, say you, it was up to you to make a plan of redemption for fallen mankind. Let me tell you what it would not include. It would not include you being the one to suffer and die for it. 
There would be a lot of different ways you could figure that thing out, but it wouldn't be involving you dying. That's the gospel God planned. Look at verse 12. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, I received it. Say received it. We can only impart what we've received. That's why preparation for the ministry you have is so important. Don't bypass the preparation because, guess what, I, th- I know you think you're ready, but before you go out, hold on, you need the message. And that message needs to be a part of you. It needs to be bearing fruit in you before people can partake of it. And so you need the message and, and so Paul received it, but not from man, nor was he taught it by a man, but by Jesus Christ. When he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus called him away into Arabia. In Galatians chapter 4, it says Mount Sinai is in Arabia. Where did he take Paul? To Mount Sinai. Taught him about the law. So he went to Messiah University at Mount Sinai and learned what the true meaning of the law was. And he had received it directly from the Lord. He wasn't taught it by any minister or any of the apostles. And so, again, we can only give out what we received. No human mind, apart from God's revelation, would dream up a plan of salvation that was wholly dependent on God's grace and the death of his son. Only from God. How do we know that Paul's message was not from him and a man that he heard it from? Because if it was, it would be the same kind of religion every other religion in the earth has come through a man. It's on works righteousness, self-righteousness, man working himself to God by his own effort, his own goodness. And, and so there's only two religions in the earth. Well, Pastor, I could name a lot. No, there's a lot of them out there, but, but they're all lumped under one religion. It's man working himself up to God. True religion, true Christianity is where God came and became a man. He lived a perfect sinless life for mankind on the cross in exchange for our sin. He gave you his righteousness obtained as a man under the law. And so it's a gift that you simply accept or reject. That's the plan of salvation. And so Paul said, I wasn't taught it. I came through revelation. Revelation is Knowledge that's higher than mere knowledge, where you learn something from someone. It comes from God. It's, it comes through your spirit and transforms your soul. And it says it's of Jesus Christ. Not only was the revelation about Jesus, but it was from Jesus. And so one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus to you in the Word. He loves to show you Jesus, but you need to ask him. Every time you go to the Word, what are you in there for? A lot of times they're in there for success principles or they feel out of obligation. i got to read my scripture today. No, no, no. You need to approach the word of God as the main thing. I want to see Jesus. Because if I can get a glimpse of Jesus, I know that as he is, so am I in this present world. You just need to find out who Jesus is and what he's like and you'll find out in the new birth you're just like him. And so I go to the word to see Jesus. And so why do you go? And so the Holy Spirit is the tour guide. He loves him some Jesus. He loves you. You say, show me. Oh, I want. He's over here. Oh, he's over here. Uh, He's over here. He'll he'll be your tour guide. guide. We went to Belize on our second year mission trip, and it was unbelievable. (laughs) And we had a tour guide that took 
took us down the Mayan River, the river to the Mayan ruins, and a tour guide says, no, that parrot there, it's only here on the entire planet. You're like, yeah, I think I see that bird. Well, do you see that, do you see that, that, uh, hear that howler monkey over there? They're only in the, and so they point out things I would have totally missed. Well, the Holy Spirit's like, he'll show you in the word Jesus. If you'll ask him, Holy Spirit, show me Jesus. Revelation knowledge can come through God's ministers and does, but it's, it's secondhand. I'm going to make a statement. I'll suck the air out of the room, but I'll put it back. You have never received a revelation from Andrew Womack. I have to just spiritual body and you've never heard you've never gotten a revelation from Greg Moore. You got a revelation from the Holy Spirit through Andrew Womack and Greg Moore. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. And so Revelation knowledge can come through God's ministers. However, most of the revelation knowledge God wants to impart to you will come through your own study and meditation of the Word of God. Let me say that again. Most of the revelation God wants to impart to you will come as you are in your own Bible, open the Bible, praying and asking the Holy Spirit to show you Jesus, and it will come by revelation. Most of the time, the saints are only receiving processed revelation from other people instead of a direct revelation of God through his word and so like in bible school they'll come first year and they're there and they're just simply receiving like baby birds (laughs) Barry feed me Greg feed me Wendell but it's processed revelation out of their lives but let me tell you where maturity comes from when you're able to get into the Word and feed, He'll feed you directly. That's right. The Lord wants to feed you directly. Amen. You know, there's a problem. See, I, I love the, the good thing about technology. There's good and bad things about, the, about technology of the day. We live in a technological advanced society to where today you can listen to any minister basically on this planet anytime you want. You can have it on your phone. You can have it going all the time. You can, you can plug it in. You, this service you can have. You can have it anywhere. And generations and centuries of Christians never had the benefit that you have. But there's a problem. Unfortunately, our technology has become some, a system to where Christians are having their relationship by God by proxy. Instead of having it directly with the Lord in their own times with the Lord. It's being supplanted by TV dinners. What do I mean Christians are living off TV dinners? They're living off ministers on TV programs. And I'm not and I want you to stay in balance here. There's a ditch on the other side. Yes, we need pastors. Yes, we need ministers. Of course we need those things, but you need your own times in the Lord. And by and large, a lot of Christianity has gone totally to the technology and they're not spending time alone with the Lord. They're not opening their Bible themselves. They're not asking the Holy Spirit to show them reverence. But see, guess what? TV dinners are okay, but I like a fresh-cooked meal. Amen. And, and just take it into the natural. Most of your meals probably are cooked at home. But there's every once in a while you go out. Who likes to go out to a good restaurant and have a, a good meal prepared for you? But most of your, your home, your meals are prepared at home. Welcome to be a Christian. 
Most of your meals should be freshly cooked from the throne of heaven, fresh manna, fresh bread. <sighs> but then I come to church and I hear a good message or I listen to this minister or that minister. That's great to have. But you need to have maturity. Maturity comes when you learn to get a revelation of God for yourself. If you'll be faithful to dig into the word yourself and receive revelation from the Spirit of God, you will be a mature Christian. Hallelujah. And then one day while you're studying, the Holy Spirit will whisper, hey, I have some immature ones that I need you to teach. All this revelation I've been giving you, will you help teach them? But then what should you go? Their goal is for them to be dependent on you. Point them to Jesus. Right. Teach them that they can hear Jesus. They have, they have the Holy Spirit. They can hear themselves. And you point them to the Lord in their own time with God. When people come to me and say, Pastor, please help me with this problem. I say, I would love to, but first of all, can I ask you a question? What has the Lord said about this? What has the Lord said about you? What does the Word say about this? Point them back to the Word. Mature Christians have learned to feed themselves with the Word. That does not mean that you will not be fed by others also, but... For example, most of your meals will be at home, and then there's times you go out and have a meal. Look at Song of Solomon. Pastor, you're going to talk about Song of Solomon. If you're single, it's best to stay out of here. <laughs> it will stir up love before you're ready. It gets racy in Song of Solomon. But I want to pull something out of Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Look at verse 7. The Song of Solomon is really about a Shulamite woman who's in love with a shepherd king. And it's really, the whole Song of Solomon is, is a type of Christ in the church. And so here we have a Shulamite in love with the shepherd king. Who's our shepherd king? Jesus. Jesus. And so this is, what the, this is what the Shulamite says to the shepherd king. Tell me, O you, speaking of the shepherd king, tell me whom I love, where are you feeding your flock? Where are you feeding your flock? Where you make it rest at noon? For why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions? Who are the flocks of his companions? Those are the under-shepherds that he's trusted to feed the flock. It's so large that he feeds the young ones, and so he needs help. The under-shepherds feeds the flock. But she's at a place to where I'm not content anymore just receiving from your companions. I want to know where you're feeding. I want to come and receive from you directly. And so you knew as Christian, you need to say, yeah, it's good. Pastor Rick is a companion of Jesus. He's going to feed me, but during the week I can come straight to the shepherd. Jesus, where are you feeding today? Open your Bible because that's the field he wants to feed you out of. And today, it's out of Psalms today. No, it's out of the Gospel of Mark today. The Holy Spirit will lead you to the field and feed you, feed you, feed you. And he's a great shepherd of the sheep. The Judaizers that were false teachers received their religious instruction from rabbinic traditions. They spent all their time listening and reading about what was said about the Old Testament. And unfortunately today we have a lot of people reading things about the Bible. We have bookstores filled with books about the Bible. But people are reading and believing more about what man said about the Bible than actually find out, what does the Bible say? 
especially if a fiction book is written that makes God seem so palatable, so wonderful that the masses would receive, they'll just buy it hook, line, and sinker as doctrine and they don't know what the Bible says. It's good to read books, but there's the book. The book. A little from God is better than a great deal from man. A little from God himself is better than a great deal. Why would I say that? What do I mean a little? You just need one word from God. One rhema. One quickened word that can change your situation. And when you get a revelation, it's yours. No one can argue it out of you. That's your revelation. You know, Paul said he called the gospel that he got from Jesus my gospel. My gospel. You know, he so incorporated the revelation from Jesus, and he meditated on it. He incorporated it. He put it into practice, and it got rooted in him, and it became his gospel. It's okay to listen to other ministers, but when you go to church, you know, you should highlight things because a lot of church services are like watching a fireworks show. Ooh. Ah. Wow. And you write those things down, and you leave church and totally forget about them. And they never take in root in your heart to bear fruit. How do you know? You go to a church with a, you go to lunch with other people that go to other churches. Well, how was church today? Oh, it was powerful. What did he say? I don't remember. I was in Pastor Lawson's church. He was on fire. He got red. Well, what did he say? I don't remember. But it was powerful. Why? Because it hadn't taken root in them. Go home after sermon. Go home after church. The things that you'd written down, meditate on those to where it takes root. It becomes your revelation. By and large, this is not taking place in the body of Christ. So we have immature Christians. Again, don't misunderstand. We need to continue to be fed by a pastor and other ministers. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 talks about the fivefold ministry that they're to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And one of, their jo- one of their jobs is to nourish the saints. It says through the joints are the body is ministered nourishment. I think that's verse 16. Through the joints, nourishment is ministered. Do you know there's five, five types of joints in the human body? Well, the joints are the fivefold ministry gifts. We will always need them and get perfected until we come. But there's also things that you're going to receive directly from the Lord. So, you, so tell someone, stay in balance. Yes. You know, I continue each day. Let me, look, I'm going to open my heart. I mean, I'm, going to tell, I'm telling myself. I'm going to close it. I don't know all of you guys. I was driving up the hill one day, working. About that time, I was still dean of faculty, and I was, I was teaching at Karis Bible College, and and pastoring this church, and I was driving up the hill one day, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. He said, I've called you to partner and be under Andrew Womack's ministry. I said, yeah, I give every month. I'm a partner. He says, yeah, you do that, but you've stopped listening to him. Well, I've listened to him for 30 years. <laughs> Receiving from Andrew, and I could quote verses. You know, but I stopped listening to his daily broadcast and he says I've called you to receive not only give but to receive under this ministry and so every day now it's been over a year every day I'm on his podcast listening continue receiving from that ministry 
They, God design, there's some that you design that God has you to sit under to receive from. And guess what he's talking about? He's on Galatians. <laughs> we were hearing the same. Verse 13, for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how, how I preached, the, I, preached uh, I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Look at the King James, I like the King James of this verse, Galatians 1.13. It says, for ye, there's a lot of ye's in the King James. For ye have heard in my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion. The Jew, he, called, he called what he came out of the Jews' religion. You know, what happened is the Jews had the word of God, but they threw away the word of God, and they went after man's traditions and everything they said about it, and he got into religion. Do you know there's a lot of Christian religion that's no longer centered in the word of God? It's man's words. It's what man has said about it, and we're living in that instead of the word. It's the Jews' religion. We can make anything into religion. Just take your relationship with God out of it. Take your time with God out of it, and you can make anything a religion. How I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Say he tried to destroy it. There's many that's tried and it's failed. The church of God, it says that the, the, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so Paul was zealous against the church but now he was zealous to edify instead of tear down he was edifying the church verse 14 Paul said I advanced in the Jews religion that's King James beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers I want you to see something when you get into legalism it always produces competition and comparison with other people have you been comparing yourself lately to other people if so, you're in legalism. You're in the flesh. When your standing with God depends on your own work, then you will compete with others for outstanding honors. When you Raise your hand if you're competitive. Okay, so when, when you were in high school, did you compete for outstanding honors? Not so many. Yes, you did. If you're competitive, you did. And you wanted those honors, and you wanted to be seen by other people. But notice it says... Uh, right here it says that you can compete with others for outstanding honors or hang your head in shame because you don't measure up. It's either one or the other when you compare yourself. Paul prided himself on leading the pack in the race of self-promotion. And his competitors were only Jews. Gentiles weren't even worthy to be in the, run, in the race. And so he wanted to outstrip all the people that were there with him in Judaism. And so again, there are many Christian religions today and people are being zealous. Notice Paul says this. I was exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. He didn't say I was zealous for the word of God. Right. He said I was zealous for the traditions of man. And there's so many people today are zealously following after. It's not the word of God. It's what they've read or heard from other people. But it's not for the word of God themselves. Mm. Notice that Paul did not say he was zealous for the word. In the day of Paul, rabbis had made many explanations and made many other rules that were around the word of God called fence laws. What's a fence law? 
where there was a commandment under the law, and they said, well, that's a commandment under the law. We don't want to break it, so let's make a bunch of other laws around it so you don't even get close to breaking it. Like Sabbath keeping. It was crazy what they couldn't do on the Sabbath day. Even got so bad you couldn't have a bowel movement on Sabbath. It's called work. Literally. You can't find that in the Word of God, but that was a rabbi so-and-so. That became the Word of God. So you didn't eat a whole lot the day before. And all of these rules were in the, what's called the Mishnah and the Midrashim and the Targums. And this became the Word of God to them. And we laugh at them. Oh, look at them. How often are we, are we spending all of our time just the ministers, reading books? And can we not fall into the same thing? Fifteen, Verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, it pleased God to separate me from my, my, my what? womb my mother's womb God knows and has purpose for every person before and in the womb today the world will tell you it's just a piece of flesh it's just some cells no God knows them God has a purpose for them a calling upon their life say I'm going to value life I'm glad the, the I'm, I'm so excited the Supreme Court came across that case. But you know, the, the standing in faith, oh, well, now I don't need to trust God anymore. No, each state can make a decision now. This state is still only allowed. Well, as you drive by, Planned Parenthood here, it is probably a stone's throw from here. They're still having abortions. People from other states are coming here. Let's keep in faith. Let's see it in every state go down. Amen. Our individual call from God is by His grace. We don't deserve to be used by God. Tell someone you don't. Be, God's going to use you, but you don't deserve it. Now tell someone else you really don't deserve it. You know there is qualifications for leadership in the body of Christ, but it but. But that leadership's based on the fruit of the Spirit that comes by grace. The fruit of the Spirit. Verse 16. You've been waiting for it. It's the last verse. Verse 16. Why, why is God pleased to separate Paul for this? To reveal his Son in me, that I may preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Say, reveal his Son in me. In verse 12, pop verse 12 back up, please. In verse 12, Paul said the gospel was revealed to him by Jesus. For neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 12 says that the gospel was revealed to Paul. In this verse, he says, in order that it might be revealed in me. So it has to be first revealed to you, then it's revealed in you. And so the revealed gospel to Paul ended up causing Jesus to be revealed in Paul. The word must first be revealed to us and then revealed in us. 
Notice it says, in me, not by me. Jesus is not so much revealed by me, but Jesus is going to be revealed in me. Because he's the vine, you're the branch. Tell someone you make a pitiful vine. It's pitiful. But tell someone you're a beautiful branch. Beautiful branch. So, so, so Jesus had to be revealed to me, but then revealed in me. But then, where does it end? That I might preach him among, among the Gentiles. Jesus must first be revealed to us, then in us, and then finally revealed by us in preaching. Let me say that again. Jesus must first be revealed to us, and then in us, and then finally revealed by us by the preaching. And the process starts over and over. He says, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Say immediately. immediately. This is talking about that when he got the revelation, he didn't immediately take it. So I got a revelation. I'm going to run to the apostles. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> He's going to write books, but it's going to be later. After it's marinated in him. He wasn't ready for the write the book yet of Galatians and Ephesians and Corinthians and Hebrew. No, no, he had to marinate in that to be a part of him, to bear fruit, and then he was ready to write some books. Tell someone, don't write the book yet. Often we get a new revelation from the Lord, and we immediately seek to impart it to others. But it hasn't bore fruit in our life. We need to let it marinate and bear fruit in our lives before we export it. And in a related principle to this, our tendency is when we have an issue in our life, it's our tendency first is to confer with flesh and blood before we confer with God. How often do we confer with other people about our problem instead of conferring with God? And then Paul, so Paul said later on in chapter 2, he says the Holy Spirit told him, I want you to present and present your gospel to those in leadership. There, there's a time where you're going to go and present something to someone else, but don't immediately do it. Say, I'm going to go to the throne before I go to the phone. Cut down a whole lot of counseling. When I study, I don't immediately confer with commentaries. In the study system I study, I'll, I'll break down the major nouns and verbs and I'll look up in the original languages and I'll ask the Holy Spirit and, that, and the, the meanings of those words, is, what revelation do I have? And I'll, I'll log it down, Holy Spirit thought. And then I run my references, sister, sister verses to one another. And that one brings, the best commentary of the Bible is the Bible. And I'll, I'll, I'll look at the sister verses and I'll get revelation out of that. And only then do I go to commentaries. I stay balanced. Yes, I'm going to receive from other people, but I'm giving the Holy Spirit the first swing at it out of the word. Amen. And in my life, I'm continuing to study. Um, I, I'm ministering out of Galatians. I'm also breaking right now book of Acts down. I've done all the New Testament. But I'm breaking the book of Acts down verse by verse. I'm in chapter 27. I'm almost done. And sometimes later, that'll be for later, but personally in my life, I'm meditating slowly through Hebrews right now. Amen. Receiving, just feeding, 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 feeding. 
and listening to Andrew and the different ministers. And Better heads. Father, I thank you so much for your word. That you reveal, you want to reveal Jesus to us and then in us and then by us. And you want us to be mature. That we not just live off what man says about it, but come directly to you and have an encounter with you each day to where you will feed us and find out, Jesus, where are you feeding today? I don't want to just receive from your companions, but I, I want, where are you feeding today? I'm going to receive a fresh revelation from you that no one can take away. And you say today, you know what, I see that. I, I, I've been more yielding and just, just my diet's just been TV dinners. I, I've not really been spending time alone with my Bible and the Holy Spirit himself. And today I see the importance of that and, and I want that. I'm hungry for that. And you say, Pastor, I'm going to commit more than I have to, to seek personal time with him where he feeds me. Raise your hand. Father, I think I raised my hand, Lord. I thank you, Father, for the rich revelation you have for each child that's awaiting them in their time with you. And, and if they be faithful with that, one day you'll whisper, can you help me? Will you help be my companion? Will you help feed the babies that's not ready yet? And you say, yes, Lord, and he'll use you from the revelation he's taught you. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. I just feel the Lord is saying that when the Lord brings people into your life, that um, that he will enlarge your heart and he will give you the love that you need to love them and be that conduit to that flowing of God's love through you to other people. And he says, don't be afraid to be hurt. And you can trust the Lord. So when the Lord brings you people, you don't need to trust them with your heart. You're trusting the Lord with your heart. I feel like Jesus is a word for the congregation. And um, I have heard two verses, um, Proverbs 12, 14 and Romans 10, 8. But let's start with Proverbs 12, 14. A man shall be satisfied by the good and by the fruit, by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him. You have to know that victory begins in your mouth, and you will win with your mouth. But, um, we are entering a new dispensation, and then we have to be proactive. That's what I heard from God. Two things. Victories in our mouth and with our hands. So that would be enter the throne of God with praise and thanksgiving. And that is our ticket to victory. And the second thing that the Lord is saying, I am called Jesus Christ because I am not, Christ is not my last name. But I am Christ because I am the anointed one. So when you come to me, you come to me. And in my presence, because I have the fire, I have the consuming fire that, that can burn your sickness. I have the consuming fire that can burn your lack and poverty. 
I have the consuming fire that can burn every need that you have to be delivered from. So, and the other thing that, that, that Jesus was telling me, tell them that I am the fountain of the living water. Everyone must come to me satisfied. Don't just walk by tradition of coming to church, but walking with your sickness or walking with your problem. Walk out satisfied. The word of God itself, through your mouth and through your thanksgiving, with your arms raised up, will deliver its power in you. Amen. We've been uh, singing about his name the whole service. Jesus wanted me to tell you today that he wants his name to be spoken. And when we do that this morning, doors will be open. Walls will be falling down. The chains will be uh, taken off today, this morning. Are you ready? Is this you today? Or you want the doors to open? Do you want them walls to fall down? Do you want them chains to come off? He said, just say his name. Say, Jesus! Hallelujah. Hallelujah.